Good morning. Am I, am I coming through? Not a thumbs up? Sweet. It's always hard to tell up here at the park. Uh, as Pastor Michael said, uh, I'm Pastor John. Uh, this morning we're going to be continuing through our series in the book of Proverbs. And as we've been going through the book of Proverbs, we're, we're not going chapter by chapter. We're kind of hopping around thematically to different topics. And we've been covering different relationships. And if you've noticed over the last couple of weeks, we're actually doing relationships in terms of their I- increasing intimacy. So this week we're actually going to be talking about the parent-child relationship. And next week we're going to be talking about marriage. And as uh, we're getting ready to talk about parents and children, Proverbs has a lot to say. And this week for myself as a parent was actually a pretty big week. My son Walter just turned three, which means he got to start preschool. And as you would imagine if you've had the similar experience, you begin talking to the child a lot about what school is going to be like. You're trying to get them excited even though they're nervous. And when the child's not in the room, my wife and I, Christina, we found ourselves often asking the question, is he ready? Is he ready for what he's about to do? This little guy that from the moment he was born has spent all of his time by one of our sides. The countless diapers, snacks, and little conversations. And you might have even heard it commonly said that um, a child is like a little piece of your heart that is outside your body and is walking around. And God's word has a lot to say about this relationship between parents and their children. This is in fact because God designed for humans, his image bearers, to live in these nurturing communities, in these families. For perhaps many of us, though, when we hear that we're even going to talk about parents and children, or even families, this could be a painful topic. Perhaps these words remind you of broken childhoods, or absent or abusive parents, or the loss you've experienced of a loved one, or the longing maybe in your own heart to be a parent someday. The truth is that these family relationships can be the places that we experience some of the most joyful moments of life and also some of the most painful moments in life. Those who are closest to us can cause us the greatest joy and the most heartbreak. And we see this plainly in Scripture. If you think back to just the first couple chapters of Genesis with me, the first husband and wife after sin enters the world, they shame one another and blame one another for what happened in the garden. If you keep reading the following chapter, we see actually the first two brothers, that one kills the other one out of jealousy. That's only getting four chapters into the whole Bible, and we're seeing brokenness in these family relationships, in these parent-child relationships. And we see that these relationships are intended for our good, as it was not good for man to be alone. Man is given family, but in a fallen and sinful world, we see this brokenness, pain, and suffering in these relationships. We see this even in our short culture, perhaps, or in our culture, perhaps you've heard this short phrase before, that if you want to see, or if you want to hear someone tell you about your worst attributes, get married, and if you want to see them in another, have a child, because then you will see it. Proverbs deals with these realities of living in a fallen world, with broken relationships, and it's our God who gives us wisdom on how we might be godly and loving parents and children. We need this wisdom from God so that we might understand our own family relationships. So if you would turn with me to Proverbs chapter 23. We're going to be reading verses 15 through 26 in a moment. But to outline for you my sermon, if you're looking at the bulletin, I have two points this morning. It might look like three, but I have two points and then uh, a conclusion. We're going to look at first at wisdom for children. 
Then we're going to look at wisdom for parents. And then we're going to tie it up in the conclusion with wisdom for family. And we're even going to talk about the church as a family briefly. So what we're going to see this morning, just to give you a preview, is that as children, we experience both joy and brokenness. And as parents, we experience both joy and brokenness. So if you would, read with me now. This is from Proverbs chapter 23, reading verses 15 to 26. This is the holy and infallible word of our Lord. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Be not among the drunkards or among the gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber with clothe them with rags. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. This is the word of the Lord and it was given for our good. Would you join me in prayer? Our Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that um, you give us um, wisdom for living in a fallen world. Um, that you sanctify us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we turn to look at this topic of parents and children, Lord, there's probably many of us who have experienced our own heartbreaks or aches or wounds that have never fully healed or even moments of great joy that were turned bittersweet with the loss of a loved one. Lord, we pray no matter how we're coming in this morning that we would hear your wisdom that you give your church, your wisdom that we might understand this relationship, that we might understand um, how it can be used to glorify you. Pray us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm beginning this morning with the child's role because each of us, every single one of us, is a child. And there is not a moment that we cease being someone's child. Even after our own parents might have even passed away, we are still their child. And as I mentioned before, I know that perhaps for many of us gathered here this morning that this is a topic, this parent-child relationship might be a painful thought. A relationship that was meant for your good and for your flourishing, but instead has caused pain and suffering. So as we begin, I'd like to address perhaps the two most common circumstances that I thought of, of how you might be coming to hear from God's word this morning. The first being that if you had parents that caused you pain and suffering, can I encourage you that the longing that you have for good parents And the sense of loss that you might have about that relationship is something worthy to mourn and to lament. Throughout scripture, we see that we can be honest with our emotions, that we can actually take those to our God. So we should mourn and lament circumstances that were not the way that they were supposed to be. And scripture is clear that God is our loving father who rejoices over us with singing, as is said in Zephaniah. And I don't know about you, But that is one of the most precious things in Scripture, that your God loves you so much, He sings songs over you like a loving parent when He's putting you down in your crib at night. Perhaps for you, God is the Father that you never had. And second, in terms of how we might be coming in this morning, 
To those of you who had wonderful godly parents, not that they were perfect, but that they were wonderful and you maybe have a good relationship with them still. Can I encourage you that, with the reality that the love of your heavenly father is so much greater than even the parents that raised you? Or to borrow an illustration from C.S. Lewis, the good that you experienced is like playing in the sandbox in the backyard. It is good and great, but the love of your heavenly father is like a vacation at the beach. It is far more vast and wide. It's bigger than you can ever imagine. And God is the greatest parent that you could ever have. Proverbs is written that God's people might live wisely. And the majority of Proverbs found in Scripture or in Scripture that we read is written as advice from a father to a son. This does not exclude anyone from the advice, but rather this is how wisdom literature would be written. This is how Proverbs would be written. It's looking to give concrete examples that it might display it. And so advice from a father to a son is not that this is masculine wisdom. This is that this is actually just wisdom that you're meant to apply to your circumstances. But even the passage we read this morning reads as a father giving advice to his son. And in the passage we just read, there's several of these. For example, if you look back with me at verses 19 and 20, we read, Be not among the drunkards or among the gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. And we read here of the wisdom for the child, so that they might not come to ruin of these particular sins. And this is often how parents share advice. We share advice to our children because we try to teach them ways that they can avoid common mistakes, or even mistakes that we've made personally before. And this is a type of advice wisdom. This is the very common throughout the book of Proverbs. And commonly we read of different types of people in the community. And much of the advice, this wisdom actually begs the question of us as the people hearing it, all of us are children, what type of person do you want to be? Do you want to bring the, be the son that your parents rejoice in? Or do you want to be like these sinners or envying sinners? And it's shown throughout that these, these sins, that these are things that actually lead to ruin, that they lead to brokenness. And this is something that we know, that sin causes both death and misery. And this is God's wisdom that he gives to children, that sin will lead to ruin. The Bible is very clear with this. Jeremiah 17, 9, for example, says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Or if you would look back at verse 17 with me in our passage in Proverbs this morning, we read, Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day long. And so why is this advice given to the children? Because we're constantly tempted to envy sinners. One example of this can be found, if you think in the, think through in the New Testament, that you have the parable, not of the prodigal son, but of the prodigal sons, as there's more than one of them. The first son goes to his father, and he makes the demand that he gets in his inheritance. And he goes and lives sinning boldly. He was envious of the sinners and sought to live exactly like them. And the second brother, who is older, stays behind and diligently works for his father. And when his brother returns, we see, this the second of the prodigal sons, that he is angry that the father is going to welcome him back. And for the first son, 
who the son who comes back, his sin had led him to the point of ruin that he even desired the food that he was hired to feed to pigs. And the second son, he envies the sinner and he becomes very angry at his brother and he fails to even see the grace that his father gives. And so children, which we all are, we need wisdom. We need wisdom to be able to call things that are sinful, sinful. And this must be passed on to us. And that the sin that seems so enticing will only bring death. If you look back with me again, look at verse 22 and 23 again. We see this advice to the children. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Sin will lead to ruin, but being a child is about growing in wisdom. In the same way that we had a major milestone for my son Walter this last week of him growing in age meant that he's now getting to go to preschool. And it's a scary, daunting, nervous thing for a little guy. And we're all children, and God gives his people this wisdom. In the same way that I might have gave my son advice before the first day. Hey, you got to leave your mask on. Here's how this is going to go. There's going to be a teacher, and there's going to be all these kids. You need to share the toys, things of giving advice. So we are to spend all the days of our life seeking wisdom. We're not to sell or to trade it for something. We're not to envy the sinners, but instead we should keep the advice that we've gotten. And so children, listen to the wisdom that you have been given and do not despise it when you're older. Keep the humility of a child to be a learner of God's wisdom all of the days of your life. And this is something that we all need as a reminder from God's word. This is the wisdom that we read for children, that we must be learners, that we should not trade what we have learned for something temporary and sinful. So how do we become learners? By surrounding ourselves with godly wisdom. Here in Proverbs 23, as we read, we see that the godly wisdom names sin. So you want to be a learner, you want to be someone who, you want to be a wise child, you need to surround yourself with parents and with friends even, as we talked last week, that are people who can name sin, like verse 20 says. You want to know if you have wise parents, if they were godly, if you have good friends, this is the metric you can use as a child. Are they able to name what is right and pleasing to God? Or do they dismiss it and justify it, looking for a good time? Do they encourage you to trade the truth for something else? And this actually leads us to the role of parents. Because parents are one of the primary people we see in this passage that should identify and name sin, that should be passing on the wisdom of the faith. So as we move to discussing parents now, I want to acknowledge that for some of us, that there is great brokenness that we've experienced or even are experiencing as we talk about the joys and challenges of being parents. As image bearers, we're made to be fruitful and multiply. This is the creation mandate that's given before the fall, that they would be fruitful and multiply, that they would fill the whole earth. And scripture is clear that children are a blessing from the Lord. And in a fallen and sinful world, there is great pain and heartbreak that many of us have experienced. Perhaps you long for a child or have lost a child or are unable to have children. And there is deep sorrow. This is a sorrow that my wife Christina and I have experienced a couple times over now in the countless hours of prayer and tears that go into it. And I know for many of you that that might be even when you hear the topic of parents, that that's what we're going to talk about in church, that that could even be a painful topic for you. And there is deep comfort 
that we can find in those that have gone before us, that we see our God actually interacting with these people in the pages of Scripture. Our God opened the womb of Sarah when she was old for his glory. Our God hears the cries of Hannah and her longing for a child that would grow up to be the prophet Samuel. King David experienced the loss of his first son, but had confidence in the Lord's mercy that while the child would not return to him, that he would one day be with his son again. And our same God opened the womb of the Virgin Mary for the Savior of mankind. Our God is telling a story for his glory that comes through life, birth, and death. And in those days of hope and heartbreak, can I encourage you that those are the days, I know for myself, that those are the days that you're most tempted to flee from community. But those are the days that Scripture actually encourages us that this is a way we carry one another's burdens. That we might rejoice with those who rejoice. And that we might mourn with those who mourn. So do not free, flee from your Lord and His people in the days of your joy or in the days of your heartbreak. Now let's look at the wisdom that God has for parents. Look back with me at verses 15 and 16. Here we read the heart of a parent. This is at least the type of parent that I know when I read this. This is a spot in Proverbs where I'm, where I'm saying, I want to be this type of parent. Hear this advice from the father to the son. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. And as parents, we are happy normally when our children are happy. But temporary happiness and joy will fade. The, the surprise and wonder of a new toy will eventually become dusty. And ultimately, we desire that we would see our children do well. That we would see them be made wise. And that is God's wisdom for parents. That our desire is not performance-based in how the world will evaluate our children and our parenting even. But rather, we are, it is to be wisdom-based. From the moments of first words and steps and days of school and to moving out of the house, we ask the same question I mentioned earlier as parents. Is he ready? Are they ready? We are really asking, have we passed on all of the things that they need to know? Or as Proverbs causes us to reflect here, have we made them wise? And this is the role of a godly parent. In Proverbs, the two primary ways given to make a child wise are disciplining and training. And disciplining, if we were to, let's look at that first. If you turn back a page in your Bible, if you have it with you, to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, this is what we read. That folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Or as Proverbs 23, 14 says in our, or a verse before our passage, if you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. And we see that discipline is taken very seriously. In the same way that as we've been going through the sermon series in Deuteronomy, before we pause, that the Lord has used the season of wilderness to discipline his child Israel. That they might learn, that they might grow in wisdom. And throughout Proverbs, this is what we see with parenting. Is that One of the two primary examples given is disciplining. It is one of the central goals of a good parent. And it's far better to discipline your child than have the law discipline them, or as we even just read in 23.14, than to have the Lord judge them, because things were not passed on. 
It is far better to fulfill that parental duty of disciplining and teaching your child wisdom than having to be turned into the hands of someone else. And it's clear that discipline is needed for children. They must be taught what is right and what is wrong. But as a parent, the way you are to do this is through wisdom. We must first understand that discipline is good for them and that we must rejoice when they know wisdom. Do you see here in our passage this morning that as we see the Father here in our passage, that his most inmost being will exalt when your lips know what is right. Disciplining our children is not just about the correction for wrong actions or sin. It also includes rejoicing in their obedience. The positive side of discipline, the reinforcement. Think of the messages that your child might hear on a daily basis. For instance, when you open social media, it's a window to a false world where everything seems perfect in someone else's life. They receive recognition at school or at work for doing something well. The recognition and praise that the world gives, that is standard, is only for performance. But what we actually see here is that as parents, we're looking to be proud of of our children, not just for their accomplishments, those things are still good, but also for who they are, who they're becoming. That we might actually rejoice that they have been made wise that they know what is right and wrong, that they know who their God is. And this is why one of the most encouraging things that someone can say to your, that you can say to your child is that you are proud of them, that you like them simply for who they are, that we might rejoice with them even in who the Lord has made them to be. Here I think of someone, I've read several biographies now, um, an old Presbyterian minister, it's not, it's not as boring if you don't like history as this example is about to sound, uh, it, was a, it was a reverend named Fred Rogers, and perhaps you know him by his screen name, which was just Mr. Rogers, and for those who are younger in the audience, this is the guy who invented Daniel Tiger, and all of those songs that seem to be stuck in every parent's head who has a preschooler or toddler. I've long found him very interesting. Um, He grew up in a a devout Christian home. He he went to seminary. He became a pastor. And his call to a pastor was not actually to a congregation. His call was actually to do the children's program, um, which is pretty unique. I don't know if it's ever happened at another time. I've long found him very interesting because it's very obvious when you encounter him, when you watch an interview, that he speaks to children very differently. I think it's helpful as an illustration here. See, he was known for arriving at his show with the live studio audience of kids and that his assistant would actually have to go break him free of the relationships because he'd go sit and just talk with the kids for hours. He'd get down on their levels. And the show even ends again and again with him saying, like, I'm so glad you were here. I enjoy you. Just a basic praise and acknowledgement of valuing even the children's time. He saw this as a value that children were not being treated the way that they should always be treated. And there's this wonderful story that I'd like to share with you uh, in one of the biographies, I can't remember which, it goes through this story that is about this little girl who's blind, who listens to his show every time that it's on. And there's an episode where Mr. Rogers goes through and he gets a couple of fish that are living on the set. And he's teaching the children how they can interact with a living thing, that there's a responsibility, that they care for it. This little girl became very concerned when then in the following episode, Mr. Rogers didn't feed the fish. So she wrote him in a letter, and Mr. Rogers was actually notorious for responding to every child that ever wrote to him up until his death, 
He would spend hours and hours a day late into the night responding to letters with these kids' concerns. And he got to remember it when they would come in and visit. There's wonderful stories with it. And so he gets this letter from this little girl who's blind. And so from then on, the last several seasons of Mr. Rogers, the show ends right before the credits go, I'm feeding the fish for you. He wanted her to know in a way that she could actually be able to understand. He was getting to her level. He was showing that the things that she cared about, that he cared about. And if you watch Mr. Rogers or even Daniel Tiger, you can see that there's a type of wisdom that's trying to be passed on. It's not an explicitly Christian show, but there's actually good things there. And it's the trying to value the children and encourage them that it is so clear that Mr. Rogers values the children when he talks to them, that he loves them. And as a parent, and even what Proverbs does, is Proverbs throughout the whole book, if you've read it, I I mentioned before that it basically holds someone up in the community and it begs that question, don't you want to be this type of person? And when I encounter Mr. Rogers, this has been why I found him such an interesting character, such an interesting person in history, is because it is so clear of like, I would love to be that type of person with children. I would love to be that type of father who can always listen when life does not feel so busy or the excuses and needing to care for the lawn or having to take the dog for a walk, whatever it is. And so here we see this unique way that Proverbs has for us, that not only do we have the disciplining aspect and the praise that comes with it and the acknowledging of the being that it would actually be the joy of our hearts when we see our children acting wisely, we also see the other one of the other primary ways in Proverbs is that we might train them. Which leads me to the second way that parents can make children wise, which is training. And Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up your child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a very short mission statement for Christian parents. Here it is. I'm going to read it one more time. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And even as our passage this morning says, if you look back at verse 26, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. So here we have a father speaking to his son and the father is saying, look at me, son, observe my ways and then do them. And this can be a very scary thing. As I said, perhaps before, or as I said before, perhaps you've heard it said that if you want to be told your worst attributes, get married. And if you want to see them, have a child. And as parents, we're called to train up our child. We're called for them to observe our ways, which means we must evaluate if we are living wisely and can call our children to observe our ways. And this includes everyone at the church, whether or not you're actually a parent or not. When we have covenant children, even though they're off in their classes now, when we take vows, we're actually agreeing that we are raising them in the Lord together, that we're actually all contributing to the passing on of the faith. The parents are still the primary disciplers. They're modeling all of life. They're seeking to train them up. But the church community is filled with family that are all bound up in this as well. So this is a good question that we might consider is, can we tell those that are younger than us, observe my ways? Or as Paul says in the New Testament, follow me as I follow Christ. That's a big statement to be said. And those who seek to live wisely... In, in terms of well, what we talked about in the first point, they can name what is right and wrong, but it also is that they're continuing in that repentance. They're continuing to seek God's wisdom. The, the, the dad writing this advice is not done. 
He's not perfectly wise. The, the, uh, uh, in this scenario, a son receiving this advice from his father would be like, well, I mean, Dad, you're not perfect. Like, you still do things that are wrong. But it's the overall attitude that they actually have repentance and humility and are able to be corrected even. And this is somewhat of a common truth, this, this ability of being able to say, observe, observe me and now do like me. This is something we even see of in the common phrase that people will say, more is caught than taught. Our children catch much more than what we necessarily just teach them. Even if it's hearing your child say a word and it's like, wait, where did you actually learn that word? That's a big word for a little guy. Maybe that's my personal experience. But this is God's wisdom for parents, that we might actually discipline our children, that we might actually rejoice when they make wise decisions, and that we might train them up by modeling, which means to be a parent is a very high calling. It's a very high calling of saying, observe me and do like me. Or as Paul says, follow me as I follow the Lord. If I might go now to the conclusion, the wisdom for families is not a third point. It's my concluding remarks here. As we've examined scripture together this morning, we have looked at God's wisdom for children and for parents. This relationship that has some of the greatest joys and sorrows in all of life. And God gives wisdom to families. Proverbs is collected wisdom given from a father to a son. And this is the model of what it looks like to pass on the faith. This is something that we've talked much about throughout our series in Deuteronomy, that foundational to the Christian life is passing on the faith to the next generation. And that's a calling for the whole church, not just for those that are parents. And God is making for himself a worshiping people, and God is growing that family for his own glory. The parent-child relationship is primarily, is one of the primary ways to pass on the faith. And in the big moments of life that reveal our integrity, is some of the smallest moments, like how we respond when we're cut off on the road. And the parent-child relationship is key to the church, to passing on the faith. I'd like to read uh, just the first verse of 1 John chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and we are. I mentioned before that even though some of us have broken relationships with our parents, good relationships with our parents, some of us had godly parents, some of us did not have godly parents, some of us still have our parents living, some do not, some have children, some long for children, some have had that the womb closed for good. But in all of these things that the church is actually also a part of our family, that God has given for our good, and we are called the children of God, and this is one of the, I believe, the highest honors the gospel actually gives us, that we're not these offcasts or anything like that. We are brought into the home. We are given that we get to call God our Father. This is even how Jesus teaches us to approach God in prayer, that we might even say our Father. This love that the Father has given to us in His own Son, born of the Virgin who came to seek and save the lost. By the wounds of His Son, we are made these children of God. We are brought into this family. This is the church. This is why we see the calling one another brothers and sisters. This is to take that we are the children of God seriously. This is the same God that in the very beginning said that it was not good for man to be alone and it's still not good for man to be alone. We need community just as much as Adam did when Eve was made. It's not good for us to be alone and we're called the children of God and we are. And that means we have brothers and sisters that we're the beloved children of God. 
and he gives us this spiritual family. And we even see that God will discipline us because he loves us. Any father who loves his child truly will discipline his son. And we see that God will actually do those things. So even as we're talking about the parent-child relationship in Proverbs, this is actually one of the main illustrations of how God tells us about himself, about the type of love that he has for us, the way in which he cherishes cherishes you. Or once again, reference back to Zephaniah, where we see that the Lord rejoices over you with singing. And that's something that even in shows and movies, that's a way to show that a parent loves this child. So let us observe our God's ways. Let us hear his instruction with glad hearts. Let us rejoice when we see the passing on of the faith, when we see our children making wise decisions. Let us point them to the deci- or to the wisdom that we are given in God's word. For he is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? And we'll turn our time uh, to the Lord's table and our song of response. Our Father, Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you that by the ministry and work of your Son that we can call you Father. That while we were once far off, that while we were still sinners, your Son died for us, that we might be called children of God. That we might be brought in and be seated at the table. Lord, I pray that we would have hearts that rejoice when brothers and sisters come home that we would rejoice when we see wisdom pass on, that we would rejoice in seeing those do good, and we would faithfully seek to observe your ways so that we can call others to do the same. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.